Welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Apps. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama mid-series finale fan cast. Yes, we are at, as Aaron said, the mid-season finale of Riverdale. And it, it's like they forgot it was happening because the speed at which this episode has picked up. And you know, here's the thing with Riverdale. I know that their seri- their season got kind of wonky because of COVID, but they've had a long time to know. <laughs> to correct. That they only had six episodes to tell this story. Yeah, they had a... <laughs> but they just, they had to do that key party. Yeah, man, for a show that has just been glacial for six episodes, this one will it will introduce new things, will clarify things, will... Bring back characters that we thought were no longer on the show. Yeah, it. <laughs> there's a lot of feeling in this episode as if they ha- it's like they're trying to do a reboot in this episode. <laughs> like, oh, we don't like what we did. You know, we're we gonna, want to tell a different story. We're going to do something different here, uh, though, in a general sense about this episode for people who want to know what our general feelings are. Uh, this this episode has one really interesting storyline I'm really down for and a bunch of other ones that are going they did happen mm-hmm. <sighs> my non-spoiler reaction to this episode is a woman with her hands extended to the heavens shaking her head with confusion on her face okay so yours is more like a gif yeah okay your your review's a gif it's not a real emoji. I was like, it's no, there's no emoji that does that. I mean, you could do the emoji of the person shrugging, but then put a sun next to them <laughs> to imply the sky. There's a yeah. se- there's a sequence you can do there to get that point across. There's also the emoji with the woman with head in hand. Yeah. So it's sun shrugging <laughs> head in hand. Which also seems to imply someone being like, is it daytime? Oh, no, daytime. Uh, <laughs> emojis are the hieroglyphics of our age. Uh, I feel like because how much this episode just packs into it, we should probably just get into it. Absolutely. I had almost four pages of notes. Yeah, rather than spending time with this, we're going to we're going to see what happens because this is Riverdale season five, episode 10, The Pincushion Man. The Pincushion Man. Start with a bang, and by a bang, I mean a kiss. So, the radio plays Hungry Like the Wolf, and both Tabitha and Jughead love the song, because who doesn't? It's a classic bob. <laughs> it's a, yeah, the, uh, Duran Duran, dropping bangers. So they do some dancing, and they do some kissing, and I liked it. <laughs> it felt so fast, because usually these scenes drag out, and they're weird. But this one, they dance, they kiss, it's done, 30 seconds, let's move on. To Glenn. Glenn really wants to meet Betty's family so much, which is reasonable because he's her boyfriend. Oh, boy. Is that a question that will keep on coming up in this scene? He's wearing they're like at like the five seasons, I assume. That's the only hotel in town. <laughs> and he's wearing a robe. And like, I think they just spent the night together. But whenever they talk, they talk like they're colleagues. <laughs> 
All of their scenes are framed as dates, but their conversations are like their casual work acquaintances. I, I, I don't know if this is inappropriate. I don't know if it's secret. I don't understand. And not only that, Glenn, Glenn is going to say something that makes total sense. He's going to be like, hey, I'm hanging up the FI thing now. Jughead's not allowed to come around. Because, Betty, you can't just invite your friends on FBI missions. Yeah, because he's a civilian. Ten agents are canvassing the highway. He he says all very reasonable things, but they frame it and the actor acts it in the... Like he's the baddest bad guy. Like, no, I'm not letting civilians be on this case. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> You're like, no, okay. wait. There should be no Jugheads. You're correct, Glenn. <laughs> we do learn that Glenn's th- theory um, is that there's an assortment of killers because some of the killings go back to the time when Hal was alive, was active. Um, and when- so Betty suggests that the um, the killer of the Lonely Highway, they have no clever name for him yet, yeah. is at least 50. Like he's been doing murder since like the 80s. Yeah, she, yeah, so Betty's on the assumption is one person. Glenn is on the assumption is an assortment of killers, part of the Black Hood camaraderie, which, to be fair, he's not incorrect. We know the Black Hood did have a group. However, including... we also know the Black Hood is very bad at murders. Yeah, well, but his group is better. Penelope is better at murders. That's true. Yeah. And though she's in jail, she's also really good at convincing people to keep doing murders on her behalf. Yeah, yeah the, the big thing is that Penelope's in jail. Chick is in jail. Hal is dead. So he's working that maybe there is more to this Black Hood family. So what he would like Betty to do is to stay in town and listen to the tapes that were made when her father did interviews when he was at the asylum. Yes, he was at Sherwood Asylum. Which is another place we've never seen before and we'll never see again. I think that might be where she did the Hannibal Lecter visits. Mm. I mean, that would make sense. I don't know what else that place could be other than Shawshank Prison. It did seem to be a prison, but it It seems now it was an asylum. Yeah. I mean, prison, asylum. Eh. Anyway. Smash cut to Weatherby informing, it seems, his entire staff, but actually just (laughs) Archie and Kevin, that parent-teacher interviews are important. Yeah. Uh... (laughs) And it's especially important because Tony Todd's on uh, Tony Todd. Tony Rep. <laughs> Tony Todd is the actor. Uh, Tony Topaz uh, is on bed rest for being pregnant, which I assume is code for Vanessa Morgan had a real life baby. Had a real life baby. Uh, so it'll just be Archie and Kevin doing some tours of Parent Teachers Night. And boy, this Parent Teachers Night just gets right into Hiram's hackles. Yeah, he's so mad. This, this is the sign of a <laughs> damn. This is the sign. Of a town rebuilding itself. When parents and teachers get together on a night, that's when hope has returned. My goodness, how dare parents be vaguely invested in their child's future and education? <laughs> yeah, it's it's wonderful. But we're not yet at Hiram. We're at yet another plot line. So Veronica is upset because Chad refuses to sign her divorce papers, which we find out through a phone call. Yeah, because as Chad will say... We are bonded for life. That's not how marriage works. It's also not his motivation. Chadwick will keep on, like, burying the lead of what he's actually doing so deep that I don't think even even he remembers what his actual motivation is anymore. But first, we're going to see Cheryl and Minerva (laughs) Maple 
Frolic in the marble. 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 <laughs> yeah, she can't be Marvel Maple. That would be too on the nose. That'd be, those, yeah, Cheryl's really into maple. But uh, they're frolicking in the woods because Cheryl's going to take her to go see their bountiful and amazing maple yes, harvest. a date amongst the maple trees for Marble and her... Mo... Uh, there's, no, there's, no, there's no word for that. <laughs> well, unfortunately, the SERP is not coming. Maybe because it's not winter. <laughs> I don't know what hot, what season it is, but it's... Here's the thing. It's they, football time, but there's no snow. They seem to... God, time is so relative in this show. Things will just fly all over the place. So maybe this is years later for all we know. Uh... But as Nana Rose clarifies, the reason there's no maple coming out of them, their trees is because of the curse. Cheryl is cursed to not be happy. So the maple can't come yes. because Cheryl found happiness somewhere else. I don't know. Well, yes. So here's the weird thing. And maybe this is just because the show has broken me by this point. <laughs> but when Nana Rose was like, no, Cheryl, the Blossom family curse now this is the family curse, is if any blossom is happy, the maple will not flow, which makes a lot of sense. A lot of sense. That's why they keep adopting children and forcing them to marry their adopted brothers. Because they believe that no one in their family is allowed to be happy or else they will not, their, their maple trees will not get their weird sadness sacrifice. And as insane as that sounds... At least it's motivation for Cheryl. Now, would it have been cool if Cheryl had known this hmm, seven years ago? Yeah, if she had referred to that. Because all we've been getting for this past six episodes is, is I am cursed. I can never be happy. I we, must reject happiness that is put upon me because the curse says I cannot be happy. We, Not because the curse says if I am happy, there are repercussions. Yeah. 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 Anyway, we can't dwell on suddenly, that. Suddenly, Cheryl is not all in on the curse. I guess her. She thinks the curse doesn't exist because her grandma said it existed. <laughs> I guess her short relationship with with Marble has made her believe that curse the curse that she had built seven years of her life around now doesn't exist. Or is it as you just said? She's a contrarian, <laughs> and now that Rose is on the curse side, Cheryl's like curses are for suckers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, boomer. Curses are only cool when I believe in them. When, a Gen Xer, a Gen Y. I'm she, a millennial. She's Gen Z. Uh, I think she's a millennial. She's 25. Well, she's 25 and 2027. Oh yeah, she's I forgot Gen, it's not now. Yeah, she's Gen Z. Oh well, then she believes that the world is doomed to burn to the ground. Isn't that what they believe in? <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, now anyway, we have another storyline. Jughead gets a phone call from Samam, and Samam <laughs> says that Pop Culture Weekly wants to publish an excerpt from J Jughead's book, but not an excerpt he's already written. They want him to write a new excerpt specifically well, to publish. Yeah, I'm not sure if Sam is clarifying to him that they want a new one, or if Sam's being like, I read your stuff. It's not what they're going to want. Yeah. Apparently, this slot usually goes to Stephen King, which, I mean, Stephen King writes so many books. It makes sense that some sort of weekly uh, <laughs> paper, weekly online Just zine. 
He's publishing Stephen King things. Yeah, he he comes in, throws some paper at, at him at them. It's like this is the book I'm writing this week, and they're like, okay, yeah. Right. Maybe he only writes books specifically for this publication. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so he tells Jughead, you know, try to try to be more Stephen King for your book, unless. Raymond Carver. Be more spooky and less investigative journalism talking about trauma, I guess. <laughs> which is funny because his book about aliens really felt like, yeah, Stephen just King. do Stephen King. Which throws even more insanity on this whole thing where, like, like, did they want a sequel to out The Outcasts or... Because originally he was going to write about an old man whose dreams were destroyed in his small town. Yeah, now he's writing about... Aliens? Aliens as a thing for trauma, but now it seems like he's writing for... Sorry, he was writing about aliens as a... Metaphor uh, for trauma. He's a metaphor for trauma, and now he's going to write about aliens as a very subtle metaphor for trauma. <laughs> anyway, another plot line. At least he's going to link to other ones. Hiram accuses Reggie of betraying him because when Reggie dared to go to that football team, the town had hope. Now, to be fair, Reggie did betray him. Oh, absolutely. Reggie, like, <laughs> it was not a subtle betrayal. He was like, F you, I'm betraying you. And it's so weird that he goes back to town. He goes back to Hiram and be like... He did this big thing where he's like, well, then I'm on the bulldog side. Then the next day comes back like, sorry, dude, I don't know. It was just for one day. It was it was weird. Anyway, how can I help? I didn't want to beat up children, but I'll do other things for you. Yeah. So we learn, I guess, Hiram's plan. He's just going to say it in the middle of this scene to Reggie, who I thought knew the plan. So Hiram's plan is that for 25 years, okay, for seven years, (laughs) he has been mining palladium, Yeah, which is a very precious metal. It is actually a very precious metal. I'm actually impressed they chose to do palladium and not gold. Like a real metal? Yeah, not gold. (laughs) He's like, "Ah, there's gold mines. (laughs) So there is a vein of this precious metal under his prison, which I guess is why he built the prison seven years ago. But it's not the reason why. No, he did it seven years ago because of drugs? Yeah. Or because he wanted to make a prison in the town and make Luke Perry Andrews mad? Did he discover seven years ago after he built the prison that there was palladium? He keeps saying behind the walls and... It's not behind the walls. It's it's, in the ground. It's clearly below the prison, but that vein is running dry. So he's got to go to a new vein, and that vein is in Cheryl Blossom's Maple Grove. Now, I'm assuming that they're going to do a reveal, maybe treat like a big thing. There's a vein beneath the entirety of Riverdale. Yeah, so they're just moving slightly to the east or west or north or south. I don't know the geography of this town. That's why he wants Riverdale gone. He needs Riverdale to not exist so he can mine the area. But he's not going to say it in this episode. He's going to say, no, I need the Maple Grove. I don't think he's ever going to say it, Kevin. He's always going to talk about destroying the hope and spirit of Riverdale, but never be like, I just want to mine the town. And, And once again, here's the crazy thing. That actually makes sense. That's why he unincorporated the town. That's why he wants to destroy it. He literally needs people to leave so that he can buy the land and just strip mine it. Now, he will never say this because the show (laughs) will still make his motivation that he's mad at Veronica. I need... I need to destroy the hope of this town. <laughs> They're giving him like these weird metaphorical like beliefs when he's just a guy who wants to strip mine an area for palladium. But you know why they're never going to say that is because they want to give hope 
to the audience that one day they could redeem Hiram and he could be an early series villain who becomes a hero. There could be a worser villain. That's what One Tree Hill did. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he has a plan for the prison and for the ruination of town, but he needs Reggie to go deal with the whole Grove thing. That's how Reggie's going to redeem himself. Now, here is another storyline. Yeah, are you ready for storylines? Just stacking on storylines. How how long is this episode? The same length as other episodes. Wow. And we're probably only like five minutes into this episode. <sighs> I don't even think there's been the main credits yet. But we are reintroduced to General Taylor, Rem- who, who will only wear his uniform. Remember that man who was like, hey, Archie, I know you're real sad that you're in a hospital bed, but don't worry, you should go back to your hometown and make an RRR to OTC. Yes. See, General Taylor wants to nominate Archie for the Silver Eagle Medal. Which is for acts of bravery because he did, in fact, carry Eric for like 14 kilometers on his back. Yeah, we're learning more and more about this thing. Now, Archie doesn't feel like he deserves it. Because 10 men died on that mission. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's pretty much the standard uh, standard thing. And then he asked him what his, how his recruitment efforts are going. And boy, did I want to see the next scene where Archie goes, oh, well, let me explain. There is a evil businessman and he burned down the fire station. So I also run the fire department. And I did try to make the boys join the fire department, but then I got in trouble from Principal Weatherby. Also, I'm renovating a house. Oh, and also uh, there is a football team because the same uh, businessman uh, wanted to destroy the hope of the town by destroying the high school. So I oh, I teach at the high school, not just run ROTC, also teach there. And I, of course, coach the aforementioned football team. But all of the ROTC guys are on the football team, so that's like recruitment. Yeah, you know, that, that counts, right? <laughs> just like, <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I got to stay in town. You got to start from the beginning there. Okay. Well, there was a boy. He kind of looked like me. Then he died. Then he died again. (laughs) (laughs) So Jughead is having some real trouble getting uh, getting his writing down. Jughead, as he has in the past, does struggle when he's told to write like a specific thing. Yeah. Jughead is better at stream of consciousness. So he's going to have a plan. And I figure we just get into this now. He's going to have a plan, which is he's going to do the same thing he did, which allowed him to write last time. This plan... Is to do maple <laughs> mushrooms. Which are definitely supplied, were definitely like. Came from Riverdale. They definitely had to, because there's only one maple thing. So are you telling me that Clifford Blossom, before he died, and Augustus also died? They did heroin. Claudius, not Augustus. Oh, it's so hard to remember their names. <laughs> they, they did some heroin. They made heroin. And then but they, they also-, also made psychedelics, because, you know, you need some fun and you need some life destroying drugs, I guess. Yeah, I guess that'll that'll be how that goes. And I've got to check in with some other people. So Betty is, I thought she was having a hard time listening to her dad's tapes, but actually she found something very interesting. Yeah, turns out Hal. Uh, when he split with Alice before he went and lived with Penelope, he hooked up with a bunch of women from Ned's list. <laughs> I, I do not know actually when this happened. He refers to the fact that Alice wouldn't like talk to him or touch him or anything like that so was, so i'm actually unclear if this was before he was kicked out of the house or, or after or like how long they're implying that these troubles are going on for it doesn't matter but as Aaron said yeah he's been finding women on net he was finding women on ned's list which is also how pen uh, polly found truckers to sleep with and i guess other women also found truckers to sleep with uh 
Meanwhile, Veronica is busy working in her jewelry store, which I guess is open. Because that's what this town needs. Fully open. Fully stocked. No one's there because, of course. So in comes Smithers, who's like, haha, here's a fancy envelope that was sent to you from New York. Oh, it's from Chadwick. And By Veronica's- chance, it might be the divorce papers. It is not. It is instead photographs of Veronica kissing Archie with a post-it note from Chad being like, oh, you better come back to New York. Yeah. You know, for a show that over-explains a lot of things, it under-explains like... like how? Why? Well, I mean, the why is that there must be in their their um uh their prenup that there's some sort of like no cheating clause. Yeah, cheating clause. But so, she had already filed the papers, so Well, but they were still technically married. So Archie is talking to the RROTC. Mm-hmm. About following orders. Well, no, he has a he has like a chalkboard running up behind him that which is like military morals. Yeah, but what it is is a line of questioning, being like, "Should you follow orders?" And they're like, "Sir, yes, sir." And he's like, "What if the orders suck? <laughs> what if you don't believe in the orders?" And what this is prompted by is when uh, General Taylor was like, "Archie, you're going to take this uh, silver medal." He's like, "I order you to take the silver eagle." So he decides to do this talk in his class, but be like, "Well, sometimes if like, even generals can give the wrong order." But he's doing it pertaining to whether the metal. the metal. Now, also, the general and Eric are in this meeting. Yes. The the general is just following Archie around town. <laughs> Probably because Archie tried to explain what he's been doing. Yeah. And the general was like, I just got to see this because none of that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, we got a very quick scene where Reggie's going to come see Nana Rose about the groves. Blah, blah, blah. Moving on Blah, blah, there. blah. Betty and Alice are making cakes for the kids because I guess it's their... Tenth birthday. birthday? Or ninth. They say they do describe one of them as nine, but it's on their birthday, so I don't know what they're going but, towards. Oh my god, then they got a phone call from the teacher or principal at the kid's school, because well, I guess they're still in elementary school. Yeah, we it when we first get it, it's not clear who it is. Literally, we get that, we get to play the, the, the vagueness game, where Alice goes to the phone and goes, what? Are Juniper and Dagwood all right? An accident. And, what? Uh, yeah, it's from it's from the school, and it turns out Juniper and Dagwood pushed some kid named Jerry down the down stairs some stairs because Jerry said that um, <laughs> their mom was dead. And then Betty's like, "But do you understand that you could have made him dead?" And and Juniper and Dagwood have been directed to make no facial expressions ever. Yeah, so they're just blank faces. Like, oh my god, these children are sociopaths. All children are sociopaths. <laughs> Kids don't understand how their faces work. You have to tell you, yeah, you you have to like. You have to teach morals to them. Yeah, they have. To, yeah, it's not an innate weird you, thing. You have to teach them how to be good people instead of just letting them color on top of missing posters of their mother. <laughs> yeah, and 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 also, children won't always react to the thing the way you expect them to react because to things. They're processing things differently because their brains, their synapses work in different ways than adults' brains do. <laughs> Anyway, uh, meanwhile, Tabitha, so Jughead and Tabitha are having a meeting and Tabitha's yeah. like, look, I'm your boss and I kissed you and that's really inappropriate. So I'm very sorry <laughs> because she's ju- a functional, yeah. reasonable adult. Meanwhile, Jughead's like, yes, I also kissed you, uh, but I'm in a bad place. You have to understand, I'm still recovering from the poor breakup. Remember, Remember? <laughs> when I was a senior in high school, a girl kissed her best friend. It's, I'm still traumatized. Yeah, my girlfriend kissed another boy seven years ago. Seven years ago, and I still can't get over. He, 
He says, I had a rough breakup. You had a slow separation. Yeah, and if you had you spoken even, to each other ever. You didn't even have like a, a, fight. a fight. You just were like, all right, and then didn't see each other. But apparently for seven years, then his laser relationship with Jess. Oh, that was. It was so full of drugs and partying and drinking because that's what writers do. And they would break up and get back together in such drama. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. The, yeah, he had. He, he had, had an early 20s relationship. Well, he had. You know, not only that, he had an early 20s teen drama relationship. Mm. Mm. So he's like, I can't be kissing anyone and have this like, I am so much better than any girl you've ever dated. But OK. Anyway, so, yeah, he asked her about uh, doing the uh, about watching over him while he does uh, his mushrooms. And she's like, I'm not going to do that. That is weird. You definitely are not a person who's in a good place to do mushrooms because you just described this relationship thing to me. Like, no, no, it's fine. It's cool. This is the way I wrote. He wrote 500 pages under mush, uh, the of the outcasts under mushrooms. And then he did heavy, heavy editing for the next year and a half. I have to imagine. He he really did the uh, right drunk edit sober. <laughs> uh so while this is going on, Veronica also has to have a very important important meeting with Archie, where she tells him that she's got to go back to New York, but just for one night. And during that one night, she's going to stay with Katie, not Chad. Oh, yeah. Archie's very worried about that. Um, we get some clarification on history. Which... It does not clarify anything. So Veronica explains... That several years ago. Years ago, Aaron. She and Chad went to Martha's Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard, Aaron. They went to a party. A party. And I'm this, done. At this party, they had wine and they had such a fight. Mm-hmm. During this fight, she wished that she, Chad would die so she would be let go from her marriage. Okay. They married a year ago. No. So I watched the episode. Yeah. And to be fair... In the episode, Chad raises his glass in a toast and he says, ah, here's to one good year of marriage, which we all took to mean they had been married for one year. But he may have meant, whoa, this is one good year. No, 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 we can't. No, you cannot give that line to someone and not have it be a signification of how long they've been married for. No, no, no. I did listen. And he does not say, here's to our first anniversary. But it's such a firm, assum- like, you, you can't get, what? No. No. Well, several years ago, they went to this party, Martha's Vineyard. They were very drunk. They had such a fight. And then Chad decided to fly their helicopter yeah, home. Really drunk. Ch- really, Chad was the pilot. He flew drunk. He yep. flew drunk, Kevin. Yep. And well, here's the th- here's what gets me. She says Chad was flying the helicopter. And then the next thing she remembers is waking up in the hospital. And I had this moment where I'm like, oh, my God, did Chad drug her and just tell her there was a crash? <laughs> There's no way that can happen. She would be injured. Or was he was like, no, no, you weren't injured at all. You but were there- so safe. But there was a big old crash. So Veronica feels that she owes it to Chad to say goodbye to him because she forced them to have the accident she, with her brain. Because she, mo- I mean, for Veronica, that makes Veronica believes the entire world revolves around her. So when she momentarily thought, boy, I wish my husband, husband was dead, my husband and or fiance, I assume that she was like, I'm going to be getting into a marriage. I don't know. I don't know. Um. The, I, my, I wish my husband or fiance was dead and then they got in a crash and she was like, I caused that. 
That was me. <laughs> my brain made this happen. I know. I know that I wasn't the one driving or flying. I know I had no control at all. But <laughs> I know my husband flew drunk. <laughs> but no, it's me. And now I have to face him. Foreclosure is a weird scene. Meanwhile, Nana Rose. Nope. Cheryl confronts Nana Rose because Nana Rose sold the Maple Groves to Reggie. Yeah, because I mean. Here's the in Nana Rose's defense. Yeah, if your Maple Groves aren't making maple, might as well get some money out of them. My question is, how does Cheryl have money? She doesn't. That's the thing. She doesn't. She she is so firm about keeping these Maple Groves for some. I'm I'm a here's what I'm here's what I'm giving. Here's what I'm give, granting to the show. Here's what I think her motivation is. It is a connection to her past. With it has to be Jason. It mm-hmm. has to be that she remembers the only good times she had, which are with Jason. Somehow the maple is connected to that. I'd like to think that considering how much she hates her family, she wouldn't care about the maple grove. I would also think that Cheryl should put more work into rebuilding her family's business. Yeah. It's it's the it's been the thing with always with her. Her motivations are are impossible to understand because she never gives clear things. Are clear explanations. And the show has just decided that Cheryl's rich, like incomprehensibly rich, for no real yeah. reason, especially considering the Penelope had to prostitute herself for a Christmas tree in season two. Yeah. So once again, we get another thing of Cheryl saying there's no curse because now she's off the curse train, even though the last time we saw her, she was very on. Actually, the last time we saw her, she was dancing. Uh, the time before that, she was very on the curse train. I think Marble might actually be a good influence on her. She's made Cheryl realize there's a world that exists beyond <laughs> Thornhill. Yeah, like the, the entire time that Tony and Cheryl had been together, Cheryl got no better. Marble had been dating her now for like a couple weeks, and Cheryl is noticeably better. So I might be Team Marble. Meanwhile, Jughead gets a phone call or makes a phone call <laughs> in the back room of Pop Tates, which definitely looks like someone's kitchen. Actually, I'm, I was noticed this is the first time we're seeing the back of Pop Tates for long periods of time. I like it. I was yeah. just confused. I had to rewind to figure out where he was. <laughs> no, he's, he's at Pop Tates. He's wearing his uniform. And he's talking to Speedy. Yes. And Speedy is his connection for those maple mushrooms. And Chuckhead, you should call Cheryl. No, he needs to skip. He needs to skip some mushrooms to him from New York. Those are going to be expensive. <laughs> yeah, no, the delivery fees. But he only still technically needs to tip. Uh, 10% on the thing before the delivery fee, so... That's true, so really he's saving some money. A 15%, you know, it's delivery. Meanwhile, Archie comes home from a run where he's not shirtless, because he's not working through anything, <laughs> but he gets a phone call from a reporter who, <laughs> apparently this reporter knows that General Taylor is a dirty general, and he sends well, his troops on a dirty mission, so she wants Archie's statement on the last mission Archie went on. I don't know why you say that was such, like suspicion this makes a lot of sense well i know this is such a reasonable storyline for any other tv show it just feels like it should have been peppered in earlier yeah 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 just suddenly it just comes out of nowhere suddenly he gets a call from a reporter who's like hey i've been working on this on general taylor for a long time she says apparently this Mm -hmm. report has been this is the the big case that they're making um that they believe that it was a dirty mission so and he's done it before so Oh, I feel like this scene and the scene where Archie does the ROT speech should, should have been, been fl- yeah. This should have been flipped. Like his weird aggression toward General Taylor Someone being like, d- I mean, that is reasonable for Archie. 
Someone wants to give him an award? Oh no. I'm gonna shame you subtle. I'm gonna I'm gonna subtweet you in front of my ROTC guys. You should know. I'm Archie. I'm bad. Bad things happen when you're near Archie. All right. Uh, we need to get to possibly the weirdest scene I have ever seen on Riverdale. And I know I say that a bunch of times, but every week it gets worse. So Betty and Glenn are on a date. I think in the Five Seasons hotel room. Yes. Yeah. It's so fancy. It's so fancy. And, and Betty tells Glenn that she's very concerned that the twins are sociopaths because she's never seen children before. And Glenn's like, I want to see them. And then Betty, who may or may not be dating Dated Glenn, him. is like, you keep wanting to meet my family. Why? Why do you, the man I'm currently at a very romantic dinner with, who I have. She kissed him. She's and, kissed him on camera. Yeah, um, why do you want to keep meeting my family? <laughs> and then he. Based on that very intense line of questioning. He doesn't say because we're dating dating and I feel like we shouldn't. We're at the level. I thought we were at the level where we could meet each other's. Are we not? I'm in your hometown and I can't imagine I'll ever have any other opportunity. Instead, he's like, well, I should tell you a secret I've been keeping. So Glenn has been writing his FBI dissertation. (laughs) I guess he's in uni- what is <laughs> yes she and she calls it a term paper at one point he's wait he- <laughs> he's a very senior FBI agent because we will learn later that he was in the FBI training at the same time as Charles he, he must have been getting a, he must be getting a doctorate in criminal studies or something right right, right? he I has mean, to be I mean, he's writing a dissertation so it's either a master or a, or a or PhD doc- yeah. yeah it must be he's getting a doctorate in criminal studies and his PhD paper his dissertation <laughs> is on the Cooper family. Now, let's be clear. This dissertation and the way he describes it actually sucks. <laughs> so he wants to figure out, because Betty and Charles both have the serial killer gene, but one's a serial killer and one isn't. And then, thank God, he points out that Hal does not have the serial killer gene, gene but, but he, he is a serial killer, and, and, which makes them the most fascinating family in the Nation. Really? Because if I heard that, I'd be like, that seems like a pretty good sign that the serial killer's gene doesn't exist. Yeah. Like, if you were looking at a family and you're like, they all, he doesn't even mention Alice. And he's like, this family has this gene we call the serial killer gene. Now, here's the thing. Only one of them's a serial killer. And their dad, who does not have the serial killer gene, is a serial serial killer. killer. Like, that... But he, but he, this thing was like, it's the most fascinating, uh, d- like discovery on a nature versus nurture. I'm like, is it? Is, is it, it really? Because like you have a guy who has a predisposition predisposition towards maybe not thinking things through and maybe not like making emotional or making weird emotional connections to things who grows up in the foster system and was never ever adopted and then did a zillion drugs and hung out with an actual serial killer meanwhile meanwhile someone who was substantially part of like a family unit i'm talking about betty yeah like grew up is not one (laughs) like he the the that's not nature versus nurture that's a nurture debate well and not only that like He's writing a dissertation that is based on the assumption that the serial killer gene is a real thing. Which in this show of Riverdale, we know it is. Yeah, but <laughs> it it doesn't feel great. And at this point, I even mentioned, and it's funny because Betty says the exact same thing. I'm like, don't you know Charles? Like, like 
he Betty asks Betty's like, so are you just here to do this? I'm like he know like if you learn that someone who you went to FBI with is a serial killer. Like that might prompt you to do like to get involved in some way. Now Betty follows this up by being understandably infuriated. And she does not break up with Glenn. She just tries to quit the FBI. Yeah, she says, I quit, which further throws into, I'm just going to say, the wide abyss of chaos onto whether these two are dating or not. Glenn will not allow her to quit the FBI, which is good. (laughs) Well, I mean, he also just says, you don't want to quit the FBI over want to break up with me, Betty. at all. (laughs) That Betty's entire thing is like, there are people dying on the lonely highway, and you're working on a term paper? And he's like, there's people dying all the time, and I'm always working on a term paper. He's like, I can do both. I've been doing both for, presumably, I've been writing this dissertation for... Like, Years? Yeah. No, don't get me wrong. If if he is dating her... And writing a term paper about her, that is But... The show does, does not, not make it clear. He does not seem to be dating her. But then why do they keep having all these romantic scenes? And so we don't know the stakes. We don't know how bad this is. Because if she was just hit like a person she was working with, the dissertation is probably still within line. He probably should have told her. But if he's been dating her for an unknowable amount of time. He definitely should have told her. How angry am I supposed to be here? Mean <sighs> while Archie goes to visit Frank at prison. Yeah, Frank is in Hiram's prison. Which is weird. Yep. Um, and Frank, he essentially tells him about like this dirty missions thing. And Frank gives context to the audience, which is great, um, which is that, yeah, the reason why he wants to get these medals and he wants to commemorate, like commemorate this mission is that it's harder to discredit a mission that has been like, you know, people have given, been given medals in it. Yeah. And so he asks yeah. Archie, like, what do you want to do? And I think the writers think this is very clear. But Aaron, I challenge you with the exact phrases that they say in the fo- the two following lines. Can you tell me what Archie's decision is if you did not know who Archie was? Because the phrases are, well, Archie, you're going to have to make a decision whether to sell the cover up or stand or stand up against it. Then Archie says, I will not disrespect the sacrifice of my men. At which point Frank says, well, you're going to have to hold to that even if you're called in front of Senate. And that sounds to me, not knowing who Archie is, that Archie is going to uphold the mission because the guy still made the sacrifice yeah, and like, thought they were doing the right thing. Yeah. Like, that could still go either way. I'm assuming from Archie, because we know Archie. That he's not, he will not stand for that dirty mission. But Frank doesn't. What if Frank thinks like, yeah, yeah, you don't decide the sacrifice of your men. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, good soldier. <laughs> and so then Archie's like, hey, Frank, how's being in prison? Yeah. And yeah. Frank's like, prison's weird, dude. Oh, I think a riot's going to happen. Something's brewing. <laughs> and, man. Archie I, does not become suspicious about the fact that Frank is in Hiram Lodge's prison. Aaron, and we know Hiram is against Riverdale. Aaron, that is such strong foreshadowing. You need a flashlight to see the rest of this episode. It is. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Archie is weird. This is going on here. Anyway, Bye. Meanwhile, Hiram and Reggie are so happy. They're going to start digging in those maple groves in two weeks. Yeah, good for Reggie. He's going to get two bags of Cool Ranch Doritos for this. Oh, maybe even three. Oh, um, Reggie, don't get 
you know, you you did good, but three bags of Cool Ranch Doritos, you're gonna have to do something really like beat up a kid. If you want three bags, that's a kid beaten payment. And besides, Reggie, you can't get too busy eating your Cool Ranch Doritos because you gotta watch the fireworks that are gonna happen over my prison conveniently on parent teacher interview night. <laughs> What a coincidence. And then Cheryl busts down the door as Cheryl yeah. does. She kicks it in and is like, ha ha, guess what I did? My Nana Rose is insane, which is true. She can't sell it. She's legally senile. I didn't. I think I thought she couldn't sell it because she's not on the board. Um. So Hiram informs Reggie that he better fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, Art, not Archie. Bleh. Jughead gets his drugs and his drugs come from. Jessica. Can I just say that Jess looks like she is like 35. Did she look like that in the last episode? No. In fact, in this scene, they they like in the first the first one, she looked more put together. They dress her up and make her up as a lot more of a drug addict in this one. She looks like she's like a character from Ren. She comes in like with a fur coat. She put off real angel vibes. Yeah. She she comes in like like a fur coat and she's. Yeah, it's it's weird. She actually looks a, a like when she appears later, kind of, uh, and she looks a lot more like she did in the first scene. But in this scene, they really did her up like, hey, I'm a drug dealer from town. I'm running drugs for Speedy. And then Tabitha's like, OK, we're having none of this. <laughs> she swoops in so fast, so fast. Tabitha sees Jessica, sees Jughead, is like, oh, well, that oh, I'm going to do drugs with my boyfriend. Thanks for bringing those drugs. I'm the boss of this place. Yeah. Get out of here. And now Jughead owes Speedy, owes more money. And now people know where Jughead is. Hey, Jughead, maybe, I mean, the the other guys already knew where Jughead was. But they never came back. Jughead, maybe sell some of your alien equipment. (laughs) Those are $500. Uh, but we got to check in with Chadwick and Veronica. So they were supposed to go to a fancy sushi restaurant, but instead, Chad set up... A semi-romantic dinner. Yeah, with Chinese food. And candles. To remind them of of back when they didn't have any furniture. Which I can only assume is because they hadn't bought it yet. Because at no point in time were these characters poor. Yeah, Veronica has been uninterruptedly wealthy. Hell, even when... Even when she and her mom were, like, vaguely poor. She was still wealthy so they're now like trying to treat like these are two hard scrabble kids who worked their way up on the trading floor but they didn't they're both i mean we actually don't know chadwick i still think chadwick's oh my god i i have something to share with you okay i found out something about chadwick today Uh, he was through what (laughs) the the uh, riverdale wikipedia excellent He was a character on Katie Keene, but he was played by a different actor. Oh, okay. Remember Pepper? No. The British one? Yes. Yes. Oh, God, the social media influencer. So Pepper was going to make the Pepper Plant, which was a place to see and be seen. And Chad was one of her investors, but then he wanted to do so much cocaine. And then he went to jail for a while. And then when, when he left jail, he was no longer on cocaine. I feel like that changes... Everything. A lot. Because... Katie Keene only happened two years ago. Yeah, I feel like that changes a lot. And wait, huh? How long? Huh? No. Yes. Different actor, same character. And here's the thing. I can't even say, well, that's a different version of the character. Because they're like, we're not talking about Superman in 1978 and Superman in Man of Steel. This is made by the same person. 
Yep, but different actors. So maybe there's two men named Chadwick Gecko <laughs> running around New York City. Very common name. Okay, so that seems to imply that Chadwick has also, like, he's not a hard scrabble up from the Nope, because he's going to invest in the pepper plant. Yeah, so he's been wealthy for a while. He did cocaine, went to jail, met Veronica in London, was where they had their first date. In the past two years, because we know the Katie Keene took place five years after Riverdale, and now we're seven years uh, but, after Riverdale. But the Martha's Vineyard trip happened a few years ago. <sighs> okay. Um, anyway. Back have, in Riverdale. Yeah. Uh, Tabitha made the maple mushrooms into a burger I, sauce. I love that. I, I love Tabitha. I love Tabitha so much. She looked at a bag of drugs. And, <laughs> it was like, 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 better make these delicious. Yeah. She made a she made a psychedelic cheeseburger. And here's the thing. If you're going to do like a version of Archie that's a little bit gritty, I love the idea of giving Jughead a psychedelic cheeseburger. Which he eats... In the old sex bunker. Oh, yeah. Now it's the sex and drugs bunker. All we're missing is rock and roll, and we got ourselves a party. So Jughead is going to eat that burger, and Tabitha, I guess, was planning to just stay there with him for 17 hours watching him. Uh, He's like, no, you just come back and check in to make sure I'm not dead. And she's like, I guess so. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Uh so while this is going on, Chad and Veronica are drinking dessert wine and they're looking at photos mm-hmm. of their first date in London. And then their wedding song comes on. Ooh, what a coincidence. <laughs> I love that this is so obviously manipulative and Veronica does not get will it. not catch on. Though she will, like she won't catch on to his clearly manipulator. Instead, an idea will come out of nowhere. I feel like they probably could have planted the seed in the scene between him and uh, between her and Archie. Mm-hmm. Instead, v- Veronica's just dancing with Chadwick and goes like, hey, Chad, did you crash the helicopter on purpose? So we would be together forever in a different way? <laughs> okay. Uh, he says no. He says no, though it hath been spoken by Veronica, which so means, means it's true. Which means it's true. Um, he, but he explains, no, I've already signed the paper. I just wanted one last night together. And, and I just hoped that I could make you as happy as you always make me. <laughs> Veronica does not catch on to the clear manipulative of this. All right. Big night. Uh, they kiss. Hiram watches a countdown that he set up on his desk. And the countdown relates to a hole that will be blown in the wall of his prison. That was the weirdest way you've ever described an explosion. You, like, described an explosion backwards. Well, I was just picturing every... Okay, so what I keep thinking about... Yeah. In regards to this explosion, and the show does try to explain it, I don't know that if an explosion happened in the middle of the night in the wall of a prison, everyone would have escaped through it. It's actually proven... That Hiram paid everyone. So essentially, he essentially Hiram walked into his prison, told all the prisoners, hey, there's going. I mean, probably he didn't do it himself. He did through like Reggie. uh, Yeah, Reggie Reggie is the only person who works for him. Yeah, Reggie walked into the prison. Hey, there's going to be a hey, all of you can escape. There's going to be a prison break tonight. Here's a crisp hundred dollar bill. He probably left all their like gates unlocked, gates, uh, cells unlocked. Like anyway, so well, he he does that. Reggie sets the maple grove on fire. Reggie loves fire. Loves fire, and then a parent teacher's night, which is just Kevin and Archie. We've and seven parents and 
General Taylor. We find out that Riverdale High not only has a football team, it has a glee club. Yeah, which is what Kevin's in charge of because he's in charge of everything. Then, unfortunately, there's a power outage. Oh, no. Oh, no. The school might look bad. And it's very important that the school looks good because I guess these kids could go somewhere else. I mean, we've learned repeatedly they can. All right. uh, So Archie's going to go check on the power outage. And don't worry, as Kevin says, (laughs) he was in the army. Yeah. Uh, All right. Then we hit the climax. Boom. Alice and Betty's place. There's a knock at the door and boom, in comes Charles and a long haired chick. And I'm going to (laughs) say I am begrudged to give Riverdale any props. I kind of liked this. So we learned some stuff here. Alice has been visiting Charles. Uh, because of course she has Because Alice Cooper Always in control of what she's doing Yeah Alice Cooper is not Great at disconnecting From the toxic parts of her life uh, Then these two Guys have Guns I don't know how they got those I'm assuming Hiram gave everyone a, like on the way out like, oh, You have a gun and you have a gun They don't and all you have get gun. guns though some of them get machetes And some of them get like tire irons And one of them was a revolver Anyway, they have guns, and Betty's like, Mom, there's two crazy blonde men at this party with guns. And Alice is like, yeah, yeah, just be nice to them, and they'll leave. Now, Chica Charles did have a reason for coming here, and the reason was they wanted to get married in front of their family. And Betty's like, that's ridiculous. Who's going to marry you? Well, turns out Charles convinced Alice to get her dead so she could marry them in prison. Because there's no way there'd be like a there is there is always a pastor a pri- in prison. There's always a prison chaplain, though yeah. they might not be like we're not going to let prisoners marry each other. <laughs> so she might have to do a secret like over the phone, <laughs> like when they're visiting. Uh, all right, so that's happening there. Meanwhile, at the school, uh, Archie is getting attacked by what first looks like just random prisoners. Yeah, it looks like they're just running at him, and I was like, did Hiram send prisoners after Archie? He may have. Well, no, he sent them for the high school, clearly. I think Frank even says they send them for the high school. So Archie is trying to, like, flip the breaker, but these prisoners just keep conveniently attacking him one by one. Yeah, so we get, you know, some fight scenes. Uh, Kevin tries to fight. It doesn't go very well, but Archie's there to save him. Yeah, so we're going to get a bunch of conflicts like this. Archie wants to leave. The general wants to stay. Even later when Frank arrives and confirms that they, these email these images were paid to trash the town. So I thought about this a lot, and I think the only reason Frank escaped was to go warn Archie. Yes, no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, oh, also, we did mention Penelope escaped. She's like the only woman in that entire prison. Yeah. Um, but so, um, Frank, uh, Frank arrives, tells him about that. Now, I'm going to be honest. If I was in jail and someone was like, here, have here's some money. Go beat up the town. I would take the money and, and then, then just leave. And then not beat up the town. I just leave. You, like... Are, are these guys going to come back to Hiram after and be like, all right, now pay us? That's the thing. Like, they're definitely going to get caught if they stay in town. Why don't you just take the money and leave? Yeah. Or why don't you think that the man who owns your prison or his Reggie giving you like $100 to go destroy a town that doesn't exist is like a trick? Well, and yeah. Like, wouldn't you think it's a trick? Why are these prisoners weirdly noble? They're like, well, we made an agreement and he got us out of, I guess... I guess honor among thieves, but like they're gonna get caught. I, I, here's the thing: I believe I think it's only like these ten people who did it. Every these other are the dummies, yeah, every other prison. I mean, we know that Chicken Charles just went to Alice's. Penelope went home, and Chicken Charles actually say all the other prisoners ran for the hills. 
So 10 of them were like, well, no, he did give us the money. We, we better we better go destroy that high school. <laughs> yeah, they didn't go anywhere else. They just went to that high school and everyone else was like, no, I'm going to Greenville. So Archie explains to the general who just wants to go do some good old shooting mm-hmm. that he went to this high school and he knows there are tunnels from Riverdale High to everywhere. Yeah, he's like, I can I can get people out. You have you know, I can do this. The general doesn't believe him, but everyone follows Archie and then. They just get out. Like we're, Yeah, they just we, get out. We don't see it. Yeah, we don't see that and get out. While this is going on, the wedding is happening. The wedding of Chicken Charles conducted by Alice. Yeah. But it is interrupted by a knock on the door. Yeah. It's uh, Juniper opens it up because children. Um, and it's it's Glenn. With flowers and chocolate. I guess to visit Betty's family because they're dating. dating. Um, this, and then he's like, <gasps> Charles. This is where Betty finally puts together that Charles and him went to uh, the academy together. together. And this is why Glenn started writing his paper. And then Betty starts snitching on him. Like, (laughs) oh, my God. She's like, yeah, he's writing a paper on us. Like, Betty, not the time. time. Don't tell the serial killers. Don't give them a reason to To kill him. him. Because here's the thing about Charles. Remember... Remember pre-prison Charles? Charles only believes in protecting his family. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, remember pre-prison Charles? Charles who, um, like, you know, kill, killed the bad people. That that was his sort of thing. Um, post-prison Charles is a madman. Yeah, they, prison has not been kind to him. No, turns out Hiram's prison is not reformatory. Nope, just <laughs> makes you crazy. Nope. So they're going to play Pincushion Man, which is about stabbing Glenn. And you know who has to do it? Juniper, because she's the youngest of the family. Now, Betty's able to convince uh, Charles to not have a nine-year-old stab a man because she can still be saved. There is hope for the twins, but not hope for Betty and Charles. And I'm really hoping that Betty is just doing a thing to like get Charles on side but I know this show no the problem is I think Betty actually believes that she's like it's too late for me and you you who went to prison for murder me who became an FBI agent it's too late for us and so then Charles is like well fine the children don't have to do a murder they can go upstairs but Betty you must do a stab yeah oh I should explain this crazy game that Charles has is that everybody takes a turn Stabbing, stabbing Glenn, Glenn. <laughs> putting pins in the pincushion man. Um, so Betty rightfully is like, well, even if I stab him like like in the leg or something, Charles and Chick are just going to like cut him in the throat. But Betty knows exactly where to stab someone in the stomach. <laughs> the way that she, I mean, this is not a good place to stab someone. Um, but her leading into Glenn's uh, like ear being like, trust me. And then God, is it a violent stab? <laughs> But then she pulls that knife out and throws it into Chick's chest. And I think Chick is just dead now. Yeah, because they don't mention him. They don't mention him. Um, and then uh, Alice attacks Charles and she actually gets the gun away from him and shoots him. Although she's very upset about it. She's this. very upset. She's very upset very about upset. it. Um, now, in Betty's defense, this was actually a very logical decision to make because she knows that the hospital is magic. Exactly. Glenn is going to be fine. And Charles is going to be fine. Because it's a magic hospital. Charles was, gl- was shot point blank 
in the chest. And he will end this episode in the ICU. Technically but Shawsh- he's alive in the ICU. Yeah, technically it's Shawshank, but I mean, they got to share. They had to go to the magical prison first. Yeah. The magical hospital first, right? right. Uh, so now Jughead is on drugs. He is busy naked dancing. Yeah. And then... Tabitha comes and he's like, please naked dance with me. Tabitha, ha- Tabitha werewolves him. She's like, <laughs> no, nope. soon you will take on your form of the night children. Uh, so I will handcuff you to the computer until you finish your book. <laughs> um, which goes well for about five seconds before Jughead starts to hallucinate. And he hallucinates Jess. For like a. For like a second. And then he mostly just hallucinates Betty, who's like, I'm so sorry that I was so mean to you in senior year. It was awful what I did to you in senior year. And then they have hallucination sex. And then he sees rats and a subway tunnel. And so I can only assume that Jughead, while on drugs, pushed a man into a subway train and killed a man. What? Well, he had some sort of trauma. I assume that I assume that he did drugs, went into the sewer, and had a bad experience in a sewer. I just assume he had to have done something bad. Because um, this is Riverdale. <laughs> but yeah, I guess but only they, Betty's allowed to kill people. I mean, even Betty's not allowed to kill people, though. They don't make Betty kill people. They and make they, Betty almost kill people. I guess only Veronica's allowed to kill people. Veronica, Veronica lit a man on fire, but they claim he's alive. I'm just saying, like, if his traumatic situation is that he wandered around in a subway and almost got hit by a subway, and that's why he sees aliens. I think he met, I think he met someone. I think he, I think, here's like, I think he met, just met a deformed man. I'm not here for Jughead's storyline. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like his, I like the stuff around it. Like, I like his stuff with Tabitha. I like him. I love him I, and Tabitha. I like him, like, I gotta do drugs to write my book. But every single time an alien thing comes up, I'm like, oh my God, I'm not here for it. Now, I'm just gonna say this now. I was continually very afraid that he was gonna cut his hand off <laughs> because I could only think of, um, oh yeah, because he, of he, The Walking Dead. Because he does seem to leave the, um, uh, the table. I'm like, but he's hallucinating. He must still be at the table. Uh, we we were to check in with Cheryl Minerva where they're like dancing and having fun. But then Penelope Blossom arrives home and she informs them <laughs> that there is an infer- inferno that's going to burn down their house. Did you not see the flames? They go to the window and it is a full on forest fire. Like these flames are reaching the tops of trees. So, Kevin, how did the Blossoms deal with a forest fire? Well, um... You see, as Rose said, now, quote unquote, cognizant. Mm. Um, remember when she was being drugged and was crazy? Mm. Now she's just you know, in her right mind. It's still crazy. She believes that that the only way to soothe whatever this curse is, is that all living blossoms must die. Or, or they sacrifice the interloper, that being Minerva. And Minerva's like... I'm out. So she runs into the night. Well, Cheryl shouts, Min Min, no. (laughs) Yeah, Cheryl, you could have been a little bit quicker on the draw there. Like, no, we're not sacrificing. No. We don't believe in curses in this house. And not only that, it's weird her being like, all the living blossoms must die. Hey, if that, like, okay, maybe that will solve the curse. Only because you won't be around for. The curse to work on the blossoms yeah like w- if there's w- no blossoms for the curse to be on yes we'd be like oh this will this will cure our maple trees will make maple again we'll all be dead but the maple trees will make maple again so and they i won't, guess because they're burned down and i guess blossoms anyway 
She wants to chase after Min Min. Uh, however, as Penelope says, there's no time. We must pray. So then they pray. For wind. On like a super creepy bone scattered altar. Here's the thing. This is definitely a leftover prop from Sabrina. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, the next no, morning. No, it's not done, Aaron. Is it not done? You hear wind. Oh, that's right. The yeah. wind is coming. They're, Cheryl's like, ooh. Yeah. They're praying at this creepy altar. And, I don't, and then wind happens. <sighs> so the next morning, Chad has been sleeping shirtless. And I assume that Veronica left. But maybe she stayed there. It's impossible to tell. It does seem to imply they did have one last night together. But she looked at those uh, divorce papers <laughs> that he swears that he signed. And he didn't. He didn't he, sign he them. He didn't sign them. Nope. And why didn't he sign them, Kevin? Well, apparently he made some bad investments. Shocking. Um, and he and well, he made mad, bad, bad investments and made more bad investments. But he and made then those, he made future bad investments he made, well, that he, he could he, use he, to get out of the first bad investments. Yeah, that's what I said. They yeah. said multiple bad investments. He actually describes one as an investment scheme, which he later implies is a crime. Anyway, he does all these things because apparently him and Veronica are in debt. Because of his first bad investments. Now, Ver- now you're telling no, me. No, you're telling me. That Veronica Lodge. Business champion of the world. Was not aware that she and her husband had zero Dollars. They negative had in fact, dollars. negative dollars. You're telling me that Veronica Lodge was one, bamboozled. She she let her she just let her husband take care of the finances. Veronica Lodge, she wolf of Wall you're, Street. You're telling me that is the characterization you have given us for four years that Veronica Lodge would just let let him roll the finances and her do be not involved at all. And not look at them? Not look at them. Okay. This is ridiculous. Now, she's like, okay, well, that's not my problem anymore, I guess. Uh, like, it is, because my most recent scheme, yes, yeah. I had to take a loan out under the name of a real business. So I used your business. How? How did he do it? Her business doesn't even make any money. Well, and not only that, well, too far, I didn't but, have to. But it's also only in her name. Yeah. You're telling me, there's tell me one of two things here. Either one, she opened up her recent business Somehow, somehow doing the fact that she is so entangled with her husband, once again, Veronica Lodge, business champion, entangled so deeply with her husband's finances that she opened a business that his name was still on. Or, Even though she opened it after they were separated. Yes. Or two, she she could open a business despite the fact of how much debt they were in. So anyway, uh, Chad does not think it's a good idea for them to get divorced because if they're divorced, then he can testify against her in court be, be, and he's going to blame her for the debts. Well, because it's all in, well, he, the, from the, it's all in her name. Yeah, he's, he's he is implying the newest investments are a scheme or a crime and he could testify because they're in and no one will believe that the she wolf of Wall Street wasn't doesn't aware. know what's going on with her finances. You he could not do that. Once again, going back to my earlier explanation. If I had a business, you, Aaron, could not take out investments under the name of my business just because we shared a last name. But, Kevin, we know how finances work in the Riverdale verse, and he could lock her credit cards without her signatory, and she couldn't get them unlocked. 
So going getting through these, uh, Jughead has a quick wake up. He seems to have actually gone out of, out of the cuffs. And apparently there's also a printer down there and he's printed out his book, which he calls episode four, the transubstantiation, transubstantiation. And then an alien comes. Then a light comes. Yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, Frank is busy having breakfast at ye old Archie homestead because Mary's going to go to bat with him, bat for him against yeah. the parole board because he did a good thing when he escaped prison. Yep. Veronica calls. She's going to stay in New York. Archie thinks it's a bad idea because, yeah. It is. Yeah. Uh, then we learn the in, the in, most insane ending to something. Apparently, that windstorm quelled the flames. Hey, Aaron. What happens to a forest fire when the wind picks up? It spreads everywhere. Everything lights on fire. Fort McMurray burns down. When fire actually creates its own wind. Not that's, in, what, that's what a firestorm is called. Not in Riverdale. You, in Riverdale, most of the grove burns down, but not all of they it. They could have just said rain. Why didn't they just summon rain? If they say, wind does the, they literally, it's like saying like, we'll have to put out this fire quickly. Pray for gasoline. So, um, River or Hiram is kind of okay with this because he's pretty sure that they're going to sell now that most of their groves burned down. Yeah. And also, he's so happy that all of his prisoners destroyed Riverdale High so much that it can't reopen for weeks or River- maybe ever. This is Riverdale. Riverdale yeah. will not open. All right. Uh, quick summarize because once again, we're going up to the, uh, you know, this whole midseason break. Glenn is okay. It was a flesh ruin as planned. Charles is also a play. Okay. Chick is definitely dead because he's not mentioned but mostly betty is very upset because the fbi is refocusing their investigation on the lonely highway to the north part of the lonely highway i think think what what she what she means is that they're relocating like the primary fbi like field office oh not in riverdale which is bad for betty so i guess she has to go undercover as a trucker now i thought she was implying that she that she would have to leave to go with them but then we see her under like as a truck driver with a gun so i guess that's I guess not that's the problem Aaron. i think betty's a bad fbi agent and i thought she'd I, be so good no she does not want to be an fbi agent so while betty deals with all of that tabitha goes back to the bunker to be like hey i brought you some more burgers i hope your drug trip was fun but jughead has actually gone out of his cuffs bloodily and I'm sure he still has his hand, but I'm very concerned about his hand. I think he just degloved himself a little bit, which sucks. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah. Uh, but he, he's he gone. He's missing. We are once again going to have a break with Jughead vanished. Yes, Kevin. The other episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where Logic decided that it just wanted to write the one great American novel, and then it ended up just turning out some knockoff Stephen King, Joe Hill, alien tripe? I gotta pick that romantic dinner between Betty and Glenn at the five seasons <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, where, because <laughs> that is the greatest show of what is these two's relationship? I don't know if it's because they don't want Betty to be a bad guy, so they won't clarify the re- relationship with Glenn so that, that she wasn't cheating on him. But I'm fine with her cheating on him. I he mean, doesn't seem like a great boyfriend. And, and, and here's the thing. Like, if well, – because I think it was that earlier when they were cheating that the call she should have gotten should have been from Glenn. Like, I'm fine if she's, yeah. I'm fine if she's like, a, 
like, you know, <laughs> a foot and a half out the door with the Glenn relationship. It was just sort of a thing that she did. But we're in a state right now where not knowing is making it actively. It makes it so much worse. It's yeah. all I can think about in their scenes together. Because yeah. <laughs> they're so romantic. But yeah. They don't act. They act like they're casual work colleagues. Yeah, and Betty's- it's like she's mad that her boss isn't listening to her. Yeah. My boss. My boss is he's writing dissertation on my family. He keeps horning on my business. Every time we every time we go out for dinner, he keeps ordering a, a salad for me. Wait. What was that last one there? Well, he just like he really thinks he knows the good things to eat at dinner. So he always orders for me. And we always have these romantic dinners with like so much wine. Okay, but like you said boss first is the thing. Well, yeah, I'm an FBI trainee and he's like my mentor boss. (laughs) No, I understand that. But uh, then you also at the end, you start. This is the same person. We kiss at the end of all of our meetings. (laughs) Sometimes he comes over for beer and Chinese food. Okay, well, to be fair, I also do that with him. So that's just a thing that Glenn does. Glenn just likes to kiss everyone. Glenn kisses everyone at the end of meetings. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> Glenn just like, oh, all right. All right, everyone. It was good meeting. We're going to find this trash bag killer and everyone else. Line up for your kisses before we go. That's how he motivates the troops. <laughs> just like lying there and just like little like pecks as they go by. <laughs> Kevin, did you find a CW moment? I did. And mine is right at the beginning. And it, and it was just as after, speaking of kisses, Jughead and Tabitha kiss. Jughead just like, well, I got I, I got to leave. I got I got school tomorrow. <laughs> and before that, he was just like cleaning. So he, he was working the night shift. He was working. He was like, your, my shift is done. Is so awkward that he just like, I'm just going to leave work. Goodbye. And Tabitha's like, yeah, no, that seems fair. I guess I'll just work your shift then. Don't worry. I love the idea. You're that, supposed to work for more hours, but it's fine. I love the idea that it's just that having a, having a moment so awkward that he just clocks out. <laughs> At least Tabitha realizes that kissing her co-workers could be inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Glenn. Glenn. Uh, it's just like Lily Reinhardt says. Nobody says bye in Riverdale. <laughs> they just leave. Scenes. They just leave scenes. And that is the purest encapsulation of that. He leaves work because <laughs> the scene is over. Uh, <sighs> well, that was Riverdale. And the- it is gone for mm-hmm. three months. Yeah, it's going to be a while before we check back in to see where Betty is and see where Jughead is and see where... Those are only the two I'm really worried about. Did Jughead cut his hand off? Probably not. They would show the hand if he cut his hand off. They would. Yeah, it would have been dramatic enough they would have shown a hand. I think I think mostly he'd probably just like degloved himself a little bit. That's how we know that Polly isn't dead. We never saw that body. <laughs> That's true. That is how we know Polly is still alive. She will continue to be a bad mom to her children and be more and more traumatized, but... Yeah. So since we can't watch Riverdale for the next three months, we have a very exciting announcement. We have decided to uh, take a gander at a show that is a very, very different than what we've done before. The closest to it is Starcrossed. And we have both watched this show before. We've never done a show that we have both watched. So we're going to do a revisit. We're going to revisit, and maybe you've watched it so you can revisit with us, or for the first time ever, you can watch Shadow Hunters. We're going to watch the first season of Shadow Hunters, The Mortal Instruments. It's not the film. No, don't watch the film with Lily Collin. No, no, no. We're going to watch the TV series that went on for f- three or four seasons. Uh, but the f- we're going to we're going to go into that first season. We're going to watch this show about 
pretty tattooed boys and girls who have bad communication skills. Bad communication skills. And we're going to rediscover our thoughts on this show. And we hope that you'll come with us on this on this short sojourn. So this is a show that has 13 episodes, which is how many weeks we have off. It has a mystery. What is the shadow world? It has an outsider. That's Clary Fairchild, who doesn't know about the shadow world. And it has so many abs. So come with us to watch this show that we know fits our theme, even though there is magic and we never watch shows with magic. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Uh, (laughs) But until we get back for that, Aaron... You know, do, do the thing you do. So please give us your ratings, reviews, and subscriptions on Apple Podcast or your podcaster of choice. Tell people how excited you are to watch Shadowhunters with us on Instagram, on Twitter, or you can tell us how excited you are at Podcast Moa, Instagram, Twitter, or gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, you can also uh, you can pick up my books, All Gods Fall and Let's Hunger, uh, on my website, kevinweirdbooks.com. And I'm about to go on semester break, so I'm going to be writing some more things over at flimsyplan.com. And we will see you next week in the Shadow World. So that was Hiram's plan. So how's the killer again? Well, it's not consoling, but it's Riverdale. Answers to all this and more when we return to Riverdale on Mystery Outsiders and Abs. A teen drama fan cast? 